Attention Patriots, this is The Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's gonna stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd, it's ridiculous, it's unconstitutional, it's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, God. indivisible, with liberty and justice for Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And you know, J.C., I've been uh, feeling like we've been spending a lot of time uh, the last couple weeks or so really digging into some local politics issues, state issues, because we're, we're a U.S. Constitution teaching source. I don't, uh, I don't proclaim to be a, a state constitution teaching store, source other than just the, the separation of powers between the states and the federal government, what belongs to the states, what belongs to the feds. But we've been seeing a lot of this, what, what, you know, what we've been calling for years now, this trickle-down tyranny. And we've had to spend a lot of time talking liberty on a state level, which, I don't know, I, I, I just, it's, it's disconcerting to me that, that this has seeped so deep into the state and local levels that we're, we are combating these issues. One thing that you, uh, I, I saw you posted on your Facebook page, uh, for example, Florida Senator James Grant believes voting rights should be contingent upon payment of clerk of court fees and fines. Uh, you want to give some background on that? or? Uh, well, I, you know, I'd like to talk about just that concept first sure i mean just the idea of should voting rights be tied to you know so if you owe fees to the clerk of courts do you if you owe fines uh you know is it right to say okay you can't vote you can't participate in self-governance because you owe the government money well i think that is that a sound principle i think that that what happens is is that really really equates to uh what we call a poll tax so uh, what a poll tax is, is something that uh, it's a tax levied on every adult without reference to income or resources. And it used to be that you had to pay the government money before you could vote. As a matter of fact, in the state of Florida, there was a section in the Constitution, Article 6, Section 8, which levied a fee on every person that was going to vote. So in order to vote, you had to pay the government money. And I think this is just another example of that. I mean, we've been listening to uh, the founder's position on taxation for quite some time now. And it seems to me that that is, that is 
the equivalent of paying a tax. If you have to pay the government money for whatever excuse it might be in order to engage in something, then that's a tax. And, and in and order it's also to, a privilege, right? right? So I don't want to shotgun you with a question, but... No, go ahead. I'm, you know, the it happens to me all the time. <laughs> popular libertarian radio host back in the day, which I like very much, mm-hmm. uh, Neil Bortz. Right. He, I, I'm, a, I'm a Neil Bortz fan. But one thing that I, you know, I would hear him say, uh, he, he was famous for repeating often that voting is not a right, voting is a privilege. What's your take on that? Well, Do you agree I, with Neil or not? Well, I... Because I don't. Well, it's a, But I'd like to hear your take on it's it. It's a meaning of words. A right to whom? It is, it is a right of those who are citizens, not a right to everyone. Right. And so I think that clarification needs to be made. So it is not, it is not a, something that the government can, can... A privilege that the government can bestow upon you other than the classification of citizenship. Right. So you have to be a citizen, but once you're a citizen, it is that right to vote. And any other kind of, of example that, you know, it's a privilege, as Neil Bortz would say, is allows the government then to pick and choose who gets to vote for them or against them. Which is what he meant. I mean, that's how, right. how he defined it. So you know, not everybody should be entitled to vote or whatever, and the government can decide who votes. So I but think that's, it flows. that should be a problem right there. We should see inherently what the problem is when the government can decide who can and cannot vote for them. So voting, if you think about it, so in my view, voting go, grows out of the idea of the right to self-governance. Yes, Okay, so absolutely. governments, as the, as the Constitution says, uh, or is it declaration created right created by people right mm-hmm. the, the government is created by the people they the derive their just, just powers, powers from the consent of the government so mm-hmm. we devised the government so you know even when you say citizenship it, it was the citizens themselves right who who laid that out i mean we're right. the ones the people made these definitions through their states uh, you know that we ratified e- even that and so and just the notion of self-governance, right, it implies a contiguous place, you know, a particular entity, a place, a nation, a municipality, right? So that, that already implies belonging to that group, in other words, a citizen. So right. you don't have the right if you're not part of my group. So you can't, if you're, if well, you're in you, Mexico, right. you have no right to govern me, a member of a different community, than you govern your own community. Well, you can so, bring it into a you know a, a private entity kind of understanding. You don't have any uh, right to vote in a church when you're not a member you, of you that church. Belong, so you don't belong it, to that. It, I mean, church. it's really so think about that from a, like a, a personal perspective. Yeah, and it's absurd that we have to argue that yes. that idea. <laughs> that ought to be just a given. Right. Right. You right. have to be a citizen. So we're talking about the right of citizens. So as far as citizens, it seems to me. Uh, flowing from the idea of self-governance, voting is a is a right. It's a natural right of any citizen of a, of a particular uh, nation, mm-hmm. state, etc. Uh, so, so that that's a right. That to me is a right. So, therefore, if it's contingent upon paying the government, or conti- you know, contingent upon 
the government's per- permission based upon some demand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that reverses it. It's no longer from the consent of the government. That's the that's the government that you that the people created now turning around and ruling over the people. Now to play devil's advocate just for one second, because we we teach and we fully believe that there are certain things that are inalienable rights that are are beyond citizenship. Correct. And but I I want to ask you: Do you believe that there are things that you can do? to to relinquish those rights. I do believe that you know you you can forfeit your rights in violation of others rights and exactly. I, I, and I think exactly. society you know we have we have uh, I guess sort of on a consensus sort of basis or, or you know a, a common understanding that if you commit certain violent crimes like murder etc you know you you have surrendered your rights because you can't respect the rights of other with that within that society right, up be- to the point of uh, taking their life or their property. And that's a, that is an essential foundational principle of liberty, that liberty knows no bounds other than you cannot harm or control the rights of another. Now, I want to say this. Within that system, we recognize as a society, as part of that process, okay, when we're talking about felony crimes, for instance, right. that... We have a process of at least what the system calls rehabilitation, or at the very least, you have a sentence, right? You have certain punishment. That sentence runs a certain span. You complete that uh, the terms of your sentence, which means you have paid what is due for mm-hmm. your penalties. Now you are a former felon, right? You're not a felon for your entire life because With of something With the exception you did. of... You murder somebody or right, something like that. Right, but once you, the idea is once you have paid that debt, okay, that's it. Now you have a chance then to go forward and participate as a as a full fledged citizen with your rights again, up mm-hmm. until the point that you violate uh, these boundaries once more and you forfeit your rights. But after you've served your time, you've served your sentence. Uh, I don't think, you know, it it doesn't seem reasonable now that you're a felon forever and you now have no rights that were inherently yours. Right, because it creates a whole new term of slavery, a second class citizen. I've paid my dues. I've made a mistake. And it seems to be even great, you know, there's a greater egregious nature to it the younger somebody may be. So you, you make a mistake in your younger years as a felon, then the rest of your life you you have to you have to ta- you know be punished for your ability to get a job for your ability to get a driver's license your ability to vote your ability to 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 protect and defend you, yourself you may it as well. seems ridiculous yeah which seems to you know counter the idea i mean it just overthrows the idea of a sentence in the first place if mm-hmm. if punishment is right. <laughs> if punishment is for your entire life then we should either simply put all felons to death immediately. Because uh, you're or, giving or, them a life sentence. Or keep them in jail forever. Right. Uh, because you're, you're basically saying, 
now that you've committed this crime, regardless of what we call the sentence, right. you will never again be allowed to live as a free person and enjoy the rights given you given to you by God. The, the problem I have is with the inconsistency in the system. If you want to be consistent, is if that is the principle that you hold to in saying that, well, if a person does this, then they forever uh, right. forfeit their rights, then you either should put them to death or you should not let them out of prison. Don't be a hypocrite and say, we're yet letting you now out. Now you're free. You, you've served <laughs> your time. You've completed your sentence because, right. in fact, the person hasn't completed their sentence because you're going. the, the government is going to continue to, to punish them for the remainder of their life by saying you cannot enjoy your inherent rights. And then we enter another problem where that we have uh, people classified as felons who do not commit a violent crime. And, and there's, there's no connection whatsoever between what they did and the rights that you're removing from them. For instance, a person driving without their license for three times, you're taking away their guns. What does that have to do with driving? Well, it's interesting, JC, because the people, the voters of the state of Florida agree with you two to one that you should not be punished for the rest of your life. And when we come back, we're going to talk about that. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall. And we're talking about this this process. I believe it it is it exists throughout all the states but within varying degrees, that no matter how old you are, when you commit a felony, if you are convicted of that felony crime, you are a second-class citizen, nearly a slave, if not a slave, an indentured servant for the rest of your life. And in the state of Florida, we recently passed a constitutional amendment that declared that should not be the case. That once you've completed your sentence then you should have your your voting rights restored. Uh, but we have a senator, who uh, James Grant, who believes that that's not how it should work. Right. Now, and I don't know his motivations, but I, I will say this. In listening to these debates and conversations over the years, uh, they, aside from some misguided idea of... of uh, you know, liberty. Well, well, the best is when they say, "Well, you've you've forfeited your liberty because of mm -hmm. violating someone else's liberty." Okay, I understand that. Right. But but there has to be that can't just be this generality. We have right. to look deeper into it than that because, uh, you know, for instance, whose rights are, whose rights have you violated by not getting permission from the government to drive on the roads? <laughs> right. The vehicle, well, I don't know that you should have to have permission from the government to drive on the roads at all anyway. Okay, but, but we do, right? <laughs> we do. And that's, somehow that's accepted in society that I, it's my vehicle. I own it. Uh, it's my roads. Mm -hmm. I paid taxes. We, we collectively built those roads. Right. Okay. But then I have to have permission to move about those roads. And if I don't get permission or I'm found not having permission, then I, I'm, I'm guilty of a crime and I'm prosecuted. In Florida, I believe if, if that happens to you two times, 
then you are now a felon. Yes. Okay. Now, as a felon, there I am in the process of having my rights removed and not enjoying the natural rights given to me by God for the rest of my life because I drove twice on the roads without the government's permission. So that is a felon. So when people say, oh, if you're a felon, you violated somebody's rights and you shouldn't you shouldn't have your rights. Okay, whose rights did I violate in that situation if right. that's me? So right. you can't use that blanket. And that's just one example. So there are other examples of nonviolent crimes and different things that make you a felon. Uh, so you can't just use that blanket statement. But th- so those are the two categories. These are the two categories that I hear of this uh, this being made. Number one, a, a, from a sort of nationalistic perspective that runs along those lines, this sort of law and order, uh, just this rabid, uh, uh, rabid, I don't know what even what you call it, sort of anti-criminal and then using these generalized terms. And then, you know, if you just throw the label on it, uh, criminal, felon, what have you, then you don't deserve rights. And so this, this extreme sort of law and order uh, status perspective. Uh, and, and then the other camp is really this argument is motivated by political uh, reasoning. So if we allow, if, if we pass something like this, and, and this, again, I don't know, and I'm not going to attribute this to Mr. Grant's motivations because I haven't heard the explanation of his motivations, but I know of, of others that I've listened to. And he, here's the argument that is made. If we give these felons, if we restore these felons' right to vote, then they're going to vote Democrat. Yeah. So, so you're basing <laughs> that was the most ridiculous you're, you're, thing you're I've heard. You're <laughs> basing the denial yes. of a person's God-given natural rights On upon who they political will vote for. affiliation. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, JC, is that, that is wicked, this is a by parsing. The way. This is a parsing of words. So the st- the the argument is that's coming from Grant and and those who are pushing this this continued denial of right to vote is uh, a, a, a they say that the constitutional amendment says that once your punishment is complete then you can have your rights restored that's what the constitutional amendment says so grant and the people like him say well but the fines and the penalties are part of the punishment but they're not but they're not they're absolutely not and that's what we want to make clear in, here in this Florida, is something that's a fee yeah yeah, so the, it is possible to be out of prison. It is possible to be off probation, which is the contingency of the the enactment of the, the constitutional amendment. So if you're off probation, you're out of prison, then your, your rights should be restored. Well, unless you still owe restitution. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. There's a difference between restitution, right. which is part of the sentence, and what Mr. Grant is talking about, which are fees and fines assessed by the clerk of the court to run the courts in Florida. Courts in Florida are totally funded by fees and fines levied by the court. As arrogant men tear up our constitution and from every direction we cry around. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I have a, I have a bit of encouragement for JC. I don't know if he's seen this, but it, I'm popping it on him because it's a good thing and it's something that I that I found really exciting. So y'all collectively 
pray right now that this works. You know how technology is. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. So I want to I want to play this clip for you from the Hayes brothers. Everybody remembers the Hayes brothers, right? The Hayes brothers from uh, North Carolina. And the Hayes brothers from North Carolina got to be on the... Uh, on the like, war room like, for really uh, InfoWars. Info and they and said some the really so amazing like, things. Oh, and I want to, I want you to be able to experience like. what they said. So you have no reason to distrust us because we, we give you everything. We own you. Exactly. And that's another thing that we learned from the Democrat Party. What they do is they feed off your emotions. So they tell you these things and then you start to feel that identity and the obligation to fight for this specific party that was supposedly for you. But it's all based off of lies. Once you start figuring out it's based off of lies, then that sense of, of urgency to fight for this uh, entity or this group, it goes away. So like I said, we no longer feel feel the need to stand up for, for a, a party or any individual that's done so much damage to us. So the Hayes brothers are given the background of when they, they walked away and they said, look, we, we had this awakening moment when we realized that the party paradigm is a lie, that we've been lied to. And they're explaining this. Now, it gets better. The part that started the KKK to keep you from voting, to being able to vote when you got the right to vote, to keep you down, to, to keep you in a state of fear. But then the, the school system will tell you, no, the Republicans started the KKK. <laughs> but then you go back and find the research, like, that was a lie. A whole lot of this stuff was a lie. Like, there were no, all black people were slaves during the revolution. No, there were plenty of free blacks. Chris Do you remember, you see the t-shirts that they're wearing, that. JC? I thought that was exciting. Here Just we go. Addis was a free black man. The first man to die for the country. Like, we broke chess well. They don't teach you that, they don't teach you that at school, though. They don't want you to hear that. That's just too. Because then you will believe that, hey, this is actually our country, and we will fight for our country. But if you believe that this is this is not your country, you have no place here, you won't feel an obligation to fight for. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and that's another that, that's another level of stuff. Just just how much is in the history books that's either inaccurate or just inaccurate intentionally by omission uh, that people really never talk about. But, you know, I, I, I'm just sitting here and I'm saying, isn't that isn't that encouraging, JC? Don't you find that? exciting to know yeah. that uh, <laughs> those are Liberty First University t-shirts that they're wearing that went over the InfoWars airwaves and what they're teaching their people uh, and I don't mean their people I mean the people within their sphere my right people. my people <laughs> is jc's people jc's people the people within but not even you you are not of their people either they right. have a specific sphere of sure. people that you can never reach exactly and that's why it is so important to have this understanding of the liberty first university the teaching that we give and i was just hoping that that would i, I mean seriously because that that was a very exciting thing a well, very this, encouraging thing to me that is you know that's that's a manifestation of of my goal i mean i'm watching now what my goal was with with the development of the more than victims presentation right. teaching that history i i said i told this to victory christian center's pastor when i was there i said you know my goal is to empower uh the black community empower people like the hayes brothers to reach their community because right. i can't you know i I'm not going to be able to just go in there and have them listen to me uh, in doing this. If you know, you have so many people that just look at skin color, even though my ancestry is African as well, mm -hmm. uh, 
they they're going to look at my skin color. You don't you you can't see that by looking at my right. my face. Um, so you know that was my goal. So that's I'm seeing this right here. I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing the fruits of that in in these young men. I mean they were they were they were taking a stand before and we met right, them, you know, right, and then right. we imparted, we imparted to them. Yeah. They're, we are you know, not the source of their walkout. Their no. walkout was completely, uh, you know, divine and in its own way, but we've been blessed. But we crossed tracks with right. them we, and we were able to impart we upon them to be able to impart to them. Mm-hmm. And now we see them, you know, incorporating that into their arsenal of knowledge and, and taking that out just, just as, uh, you know, we, we desired to see it happen. Now, when I, so I'm, that is an encouragement. It's a blessing, and we, up, and we appreciate those guys. They had us over yeah. for dinner uh, with their families. families. Just wonderful, beautiful families, people. beautiful so. kids. So we have now. Um, this is actually starting to seep into this mainstream. Uh, we we taught at Liberty First University. We've been teaching at Liberty First University this uh, uh, slavery and the American founders, the understanding. And I've been teaching for almost eight years that the how the Constitution ended slavery in America. And I just want to sort of preface this with JC with this understanding that we have never, ever said slavery didn't happen in America. We've never said that slavery wasn't bad, that it wasn't a purge on society. But what we have to understand is the is the progress that um, the American people made in the worldwide ending of slavery and and how we became the people who who really stepped out in the forefront to do this. So what we have now, what I've got up here on YouTube is uh, an article from uh, Splinter, which is a completely uh, liberal, completely sold out liberal propaganda uh, independent news source. But I wanted to bring this up because we have Katie Pavlich, a Fox News contributor, who uh, said on Tuesday's show, Outnumbered, that, here's her quote, they keep blaming America for the sin of slavery, but the truth is, throughout human history, slavery existed, and America came along as the first country to end it within 150 years, and we we get no credit for that, to move forward and try to make good on that. Now, there's... There's the, the, the article then goes on to slam her at being the first country that, uh, that uh, ended slavery within 150 years. And I think what she's talking about is the Emancipation Proclamation. You know, within 150 years of the ratification of the Constitution, Lincoln came along and then we ended slavery. But what we want the American... I'm not sure about the math, but I, yeah, right. I get her point. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know what her reference point is, yeah, but, and, I, but I get her point. Right. So aside from, aside from quibbling over you know, the particular years and what she's the measuring math. from and where <laughs> she's measuring to, right. there's nothing in her statement that is not true. And, and the, the retort that uh, Splinter brings is a shift in the argument. It, it, it's... It's not quite apples and oranges, but it's at least one citrus versus another citrus, yeah. right? Because the example that's given, she said, it's not the first country ended slavery. Haiti ended slavery. But here's the difference. Haiti threw off its slave masters, the French, okay? Right. That's right. different than America itself, 
right, ending its own slavery. It was not slaves in America throwing off slavery. It was those that had enslaved the people, a majority of them standing up and saying, we're going to end this. Okay, so I hope, and I, obviously someone from Splinter is going to say that splitting hairs and missing the point. Uh, but there is a distinction there, well, and, I think and it's really an at the heart. Well, it's at the heart of what she is saying. Mm-hmm. The French did not volunteer to right. end slavery. The French did not accept that slavery was wrong. The French in Haiti did not say, "Okay, this is not a this is not a good thing." In fact, the the French also, unlike America, did not have a large group, and I would say the majority of its citizens arguing against slavery from the very beginning. Right. Okay, and that's right. the one thing that they gloss over. So what she said is absolutely correct. And the person, uh, you know, Splinter answering back is obviously obviously just another uh, ideologue of the modern uh, the, the modern philosophy of race based hatred and censorship of anyone who tries to combat the propaganda of hate that's being preached today. I want to bring up. The uh, some di- some discussion that happened during the ratification debates of the Constitution. If you if you go to Liberty First University, uh, you can not if you're not a member, you can actually buy the DVD "America uh, Slavery in the America's Founders," where we which, show which by the you, way doesn't even scratch the surface. Doesn't even scratch the surface, but we show you the discussions that were being had about how slavery. Uh, the colony of Virginia tried to outlaw slavery prior to our independence and that slavery was actually mandated on the colonies because Great Britain didn't voluntarily end slavery either. We had to throw them off so that we could bring an end to slavery in America. And so when the, when the ratification of the Constitution was under debate, slavery was a big issue. Now, this is, this is James Iredell. He's a justice actually, a, a judge who was a, uh, was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, and he says it was the wish of a, what was that, JC? A great majority of the convention to put an end to slavery and immediately. He said that, and, and to paraphrase, he says, we cannot put an end to slavery unless we adopt this Constitution. He says, but if we adopt the Constitution, the trade of it must cease after 20 years if Congress declares so, whether particular states please so or not. Surely then we can gain by it. Now listen to what he says. He says, where is there another government is nobly distinguished uh, where is there another go- country in which such a restriction prevails? We therefore, sir, set an example of humanity by providing for the abolition of this inhumane traffic, though at a distant period. So we have a contemporary right there confirming that we were on the forefront of voluntarily doing this. I could sit here and read you things like that for the next six hours. I think it's important in the midst of that. And he says, but the states of South Carolina and Georgia would not agree to it. I think North Carolina is some in there. Um, It it is, it is not a laudable position that the rest of the states allowed themselves to be bullied by a minority of states. However, it is the reality that it was a minority of states that supported slavery and a majority who did not. Now, you can fault them 
for not having the foresight to stand their ground and not be bullied by these other states. But, but you still have to accept that the propaganda and distortion of history that everybody wanted slavery and it was every America's built on slavery and all that is an absolute distortion of history. Yeah, and I want to say just uh, when we come back from the break, I, I, I want to say that I don't believe that there was actually a bullying going on uh, to that sort of sense of the word. And I, when we come back, I, I'll, I'll show you. I'll tell you why I think so. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We're talking about this this liberal kickback on what uh, Katie Pavlich said on Fox News about how America uh, came along as the first country to end slavery. And uh, I brought up the quote of James Iredell. Uh, now, the, the compromise of the gradual ending of slavery was not something that, that our founders were particularly happy about. As a matter of fact, no. James Madison came back later and said, I wish we had done it. But here's, here's the thing that Iridell has to say. If we do not allow, as he mentions, the South Carolina and Georgia would not agree to it, without allowing them to gradually phase out slavery as an economic force and a, so, and a cultural force, then Georgia and South Carolina would have never entered the Union. Without them entering the Union, we would have never been instrumental from a legal perspective in the ending of slavery in Georgia and South Carolina. They would have continued as separate countries like Quebec. And so what we what Iridell's point is, is if we adopt the Constitution as it is and slavery ceases after 20 years, then we've brought them into the fold and they'll have no choice, okay. legally speaking. And and which which was my argument. OK, right. mm -hmm. you you can argue the merits of that either right. way, because it obviously turned out they were not fully correct. Right. Because of things they did not foresee. Uh, so they they were in in the most. Uh, disparaging terms, they were wrong, right? Right. But it does not negate their intent. Now, mm -hmm. we must, we must, uh, we must, as we must heartily accept, okay, uh, that that was at least to some extent in error. And we can, in hindsight, criticize it. We have to heartily accept that. Otherwise, we are no different than the people at Splinter trying to argue one side of the argument. Mm -hmm. We have to accept both sides of the truth. But it does not diminish their intent. They're, they did not want slavery. They saw this to to their credit, right on their, uh, you know, to their credit. We're saying we're doing this to end it. We're not doing. Mm -hmm. We're not compromising to prolong it. We're compromising because this is the only way we right. see to end it. Exactly. Now they underestimated the the, the recalcitrance of the southern states. Okay, but the, but the, then you're the asking slave them because not, yeah, not all southern were. states. Yeah, not all southern the slave states. Thank you. Uh, but but you can't. I don't think we can legitimately criticize. I mean, you can criticize them, but I don't think it's a fully legitimate criticism when we when we expect them to be prophets and have a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. They sincerely thought that this was a way to remedy what they openly called an inhuman evil and a and a blight on our country. And and as I said, I could sit here for hours. I could sit here for the rest of the day and read 
read comments and writings and quotes and movements and actions that support what I'm saying. Well, let's the, give the a thing, date here, thing about, Let me mention this first. The thing about these guys at Splinter, uh, what, what they want today, because they've taken racism and they've added the characteristic of having to have power. Okay, if you don't, if you're not a power group, then you can't be racist. They do that. They change the definition of racism to give themselves permission to hate and be racist. And then that's what they that's what they want to promote. You see the USA Today article, which is what the Hayes brothers were openly speaking out against. You see the USA Today article recently bemoaning the fact that that most schools aren't doing a good enough job to make black kids hate white kids on the basis of slavery. That's what they want. They want division. They want hatred. This is why the these uh, racist uh, ideological assassins have to attack Katie Pavlich when she says something like this. Well, I want to give you an actual date because Thomas Jefferson, uh, President of the United States, gives his annual message to Congress December 2nd, 1806. He says, I congratulate you fellow citizens on the approach of the period at which you may interpose your authority constitutionally to withdraw citizens of the United States from all further participation in those violations of human rights which have been so long continued on the the unoffending inhabitants of Africa, and which the morality, the reputation, and the best interests of our country have long been eager to proscribe. So constitutionally and legally, the United States of America, by contract, ended slavery in 1807, before it was supposed to end. Right. But the, the slave the, states, the slave states refused to comply, much legally. like the sanctuary cities refuse to comply with the Constitution now. So it wasn't, these states refused. It so wasn't it, that America didn't outlaw it. It was that portions exactly. of America were in violation of the compact, exactly. namely the slave states. Exactly. So I hope we've cleared that up for you today, given you some points. Remember, go to Liberty First University and get the whole story. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.